0: Equipping speakers to make an impact. It's the Key 5 Podcast, for speakers, by speakers, with your host, Robert Ferguson. Welcome to the Key 5 Podcast, for speakers, by speakers. For show notes and to get free stuff, go to key5podcast.com. Today, we're talking with Evan Carroll. Who provides keynotes and workshops on technology, customer experience, and digital culture. Let's get started. So Evan, how did you get started in the speaking business?
1: So Robert, I got started in speaking by chance. When I published my first book called Your Digital Afterlife, immediately we started getting calls for various television shows radio programs and the next thing I know someone called and said hey we'd love for you to come to our conference and speak what's your fee and my first reaction was fee people get paid for this and that's how I got my first taste of professional speaking and that was something I did on the side and then I finally said you know this is what I enjoy this is what I'm passionate about and this is what I want to continue doing so I wrote a second book, and about 15 months ago, I hung up my shingle as an independent entrepreneur doing speaking and training.
0: Wow. Well, I know many say books work, and, and it sounds like you've made great success, and yet I find sometimes our best learning is from our mistakes. What's some of the biggest mistakes that you've made or have seen from other speakers?
1: Well, the good news is if there's a mistake out there to be made, I'm fairly certain I've made it. (laughs) And I would say my biggest mistake has been to assume that my marketing materials will work. Having a, a website in order and having a great video and having all of the pieces in place does not equal gigs. The best marketing a speaker can do is to be on a stage and speak. And I've seen it in my business that when I've been out there on the road, more opportunities show up. And whenever I've taken a step back for whatever reason or other types of work that I might be doing, then there are fewer things on the calendar. And so the biggest mistake I've made has been to not uh, focus on speaking exclusively to the point of of building that momentum that's necessary to make it a, a successful career.
0: That is wise advice, uh, Evan. And so are, are there are things that you've done, I guess, to ensure you're staying on the stage that you could share with our audience?
1: Absolutely. So the, the things that you should do to ensure you're staying on the stage is to seek out every possible stage you can. And so m- my advice there is, Nobody needs to know whether you're getting paid or not. If there's a month where you don't have anything on your calendar, figure out ways to fill it up. Figure out ways to do local events. Put on your own events. Do everything you can to tell the world, I'm a speaker and this is what I do. And eventually that, that flywheel will start moving. And it's, um, it's really true. I've heard many people say it, the speakers speak. And I agree. If you're if you want to be a speaker, you've got to be speaking no matter how you can make that happen.
0: Makes sense to me. When you're then looking at doing you're on the stage, you wanna you have presentations you wanna give. What is the some of the things you go through your process, Evan, in developing content for an upcoming presentation?
1: So my process tends to to vary, but generally speaking, I spend time in advance really working through my ideas so before i sit down and and, and put pen to paper on on a new keynote for instance i'm going to spend time ruminating over the various stories and the various lessons that i want to convey but there there are three things that i try to do in in my talks today the first thing is no matter how i do it i want to connect with the audience and so even if it means including uh, content that's about me or content that's just there for humor. I u- do that to build a relationship with the audience. Um, the second thing I want to do is I want to make sure that I'm delivering a powerful message to them. And so how I, I like to ensure this, and this is something I'm doing more recently is have a consistent theme throughout the talk, maybe a line that I tend to use repeatedly so that if you the audience remembers nothing else; they remember that line. Uh, most recently, I used the line, "Anyone can see problems; leaders see opportunities." And there are points where I repeated that line. There are points where I had the audience say it with me to really iterate that point. And the third is to convey interesting stories that get my point across. You know, certainly we need to use facts and figures and quotes and all sorts of things to validate what we're saying but ultimately if you have a clear message if you've built that relationship with the audience you can use even the most basic stories to then to then reiterate the point you want to make and get them to really understand it and have them be entertained along the way so those are three things i always try to include and my process for putting those together is very organic and something that uh, is built over time both through brainstorming and then through Uh, repeated rehearsal.
0: Makes sense to me. And I love the idea of a common line that you repeat, Uh, whether you call it a theme or a memorable bottom line, it makes a lot of sense to me. So let's say you now have a speech you're ready to, you've put together. What are some of the things you
1: go through to prepare yourself to deliver that speech? Sure. The thing I found to be most important, and let's not discount any of the Things you need to bring with you or how you need to be, you know, dressed and knowing about your place that you're going and and just mentally prepared. Let's ignore all those things for a moment because you need to do all those things. But the thing I find to be most effective and most important to me is having the right emotional state when I walk on stage, having the right frame of mind. Because as someone who's naturally an introvert, which many people are surprised to learn, I'm there to give energy to the, to the audience. And so that's a, that's a very extroverted thing to do. To make that work, I have to be full of energy when I come on the stage. And so it may sound funny, but there's, there's research that indicates um, you know, power posing and uh, you're really, really psyching yourself up mentally affects your performance. And I believe it's 100% true. And my best performances have been when I am mentally prepared, ready to give energy to the audience. Now, the flip side of that is I'm completely exhausted afterwards. And, uh, <laughs> my most recent talk, I enjoyed an afternoon nap after speaking. And I tell you, that is also a very, very good idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, it, being prepared to, to, with that energy makes so much sense. You've, and you give your speech, um, one of the challenges can be before you can finish the speech and go have a nap because it's needed is how you handle uh, Q&A. Uh, do you do it at the end? Where, where do you do it and how do you choose to handle that to ensure that the, you're making a full impact?
1: So, Robert, Q&A is, is one of the most challenging things to do as a speaker. And, and I believe this is true because there aren't just questions out there. Sometimes they're questions, sometimes they're authentic, genuine questions. Other times there are people who think they know something more than you do. And there are comments or critiques or everything is bundled up in questions. And, and if, if you do them at the end of the presentation, someone's been bubbling there for, you know, it could be upwards of an hour to, to get their point across to you. And so questions are, are, are dangerous and they can really throw you off. I have a very specific way for how I handle questions. First of all, Questions are never last. I always will have a final story or final point I want to make at the end of the talk. And so what I will do oftentimes at the beginning is I tend to reintroduce myself to make sure that the points I want to get across about my background that are relevant for today's talk are conveyed. And after that is a good moment to say, so today I've allowed uh, time for questions at the, at the end of our, of our program. And then once we're done with questions, I will take a moment to share our final story with you. So I start preparing them mentally that we're going to take questions towards the end, and, but that won't be the end of the presentation. And when it comes to that point in the presentation, I'll say something like this. We've now reached the point in the, con- in, the, in the program where I'd like to take some questions. But first, I'd like to tell you about a special offer I have for you. Today only, if you'd like to download a copy of my book, you can download here or any other call to actions, I will put them in right there. Mm-hmm. And then I will say this. I've allowed about 10 minutes for questions here. Who has the first question? Oh, I love that. And then if there is no first question, I will respond, a question I'm often asked is this. And such that I've then asked the first question. Of course, I always ask a question I have a really good answer to, right? (laughs) And so then oftentimes the second question will come up naturally. Someone will raise their hand for the second question because they're no longer first. You've made it okay for there to be questions. And as we're, after each question, I like to say, Okay, we have time for about two more questions, and then we'll get on to my final story. We have time for one more question, and then we'll get on to my final thoughts. That way, I'm constantly reminding them that this is not time to check out. And then once questions are complete, I bring the room back together, deliver that final point, and end on a high note. Things I do not end on. I do not end on a special offer. I do not end on questions. I do not end on you know, housekeeping items or how you can get in touch with me. All of those things have been covered earlier such that I can end at a natural climax in the story. And I find that's most impactful because audiences will remember how you made them feel at the beginning of the presentation and at the end of the presentation. Those are the things they really remember.
0: Makes sense, Evan. I really appreciate the way you've outlined and shared that. Uh, That's very powerful. Well, as we wrap up our interview here, is there a a recommendation or tip that you could offer to our listeners?
1: Let's see. The one tip I would offer is to get out there and speak and be as good as you possibly can. I received a comment once from someone that I had known for years who had seen me speak and said, I didn't know you had that in you. He was someone I knew, someone who knew that I was a speaker, but didn't fully understand what I was capable of until he saw that in person. And that's true of people wanting to hire you. Meeting planners are scared of one thing. They're scared that you'll get on stage and not perform well, <laughs> that you, you'll embarrass them in front of their most important audience. And so you have to do everything you can to reassure them of that. And there's nothing better than seeing you speak in person. So... My biggest piece of advice, get out there and speak, no matter what the cost.
0: Brilliant. Makes sense. Heaven, this has been great. Thank you very much. And as we like to say to our listeners, we'll see you on the stage. Now let's hear what Alan Hoffler has for us in our Millswick Minute. Today's speaking tip is about the
1: importance of creating a key takeaway. I heard a great tip the other day for how many points a speaker should have in their speech. The answer? At least one. Sadly, it's a common mistake speakers make. They fail to have a point that their audience can take away. Oh, they may display great facts and they may tell great stories. They may have incredible visuals and dramatic effect. They can be funny and entertaining. But none of those is a point or a takeaway for the audience. Speakers should spend more than just a little time answering the question, Hey, what do you want your audience to repeat after your talk? If you can't control what your audience remembers and repeats, then you are asking for mixed messages, a watered-down brand, and it's really unlikely you'll be invited back. Here's the point. Have one. I'm Alan Hoffler, and this is your Millswick Minute.
0: Thanks, Alan. I hope you, our listeners, know by now that the key takeaway of these podcasts is that they are four speakers by speakers. That's what we want you to remember. On our next Key 5 Podcast, I'll be interviewing Catherine Fabrizio, a psychotherapist with a master's in clinical psychology who for 30 years has helped adult daughters trapped in the role of the good daughter. While her topic may not apply to me, I've heard her speak, and she's amazing. I hope you can join us. To listen to all of our podcasts and learn more about our guests, go to key5podcast.com. That's K-E-Y and the number 5, podcast.com. And remember to enter your name for a chance to win a copy of Alan's book, Presentation Sin. At the end of every month, we're giving away a book. So go to KeyFivePodcast.com today. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by your local studio. For more, go to KeyFivePodcast.com.